Hi, everyone. It's Robert Poole. Welcome back to the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a topic that I'm currently working on as a business owner, and that's how to keep your most valuable asset from leaving you. Let's get started. You have a small B2B business. Are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B small business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for a, just a nine-to-five job. Welcome to the tribe and welcome home. Hey, everyone. As always, I hope you're having a fantastic day. And if not, I hope this episode turns your day around as we're going to talk about your most valuable asset, how to protect it, and how it provides long-term stability and growth for your business, regardless of where you are now. So when talking about your most valuable asset as a business owner, am I talking about the size of your bank account or your financial backing? I mean, that helps, of course, but that's not it. Is it your clients or your customer list? A lot of gurus, including some of the top in the industry, would say yes, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Is it your product or service? Definitely not. I'm going to get a lot of disagreement about that, but in my opinion, the most important asset a small business owner has, and this applies both to us as B2B owners and also uh, in B2C, and that asset is the team you put together, whether it's your employees, contractors, or a combination of the two. I, I know uh, I'll probably lose some of you on, with that statement, but hear me out on this. You know, I recently heard Russell Brunson, the, one of the best intermarketing minds of our generation, in my opinion, talk about the importance of the customer or prospect list a company has. And I totally understand what he's saying. You know, as he points out, why did Google pay billions of dollars for YouTube? It wasn't the technology they were buying, as they could easily build a competing platform that was maybe even better. But what they were buying was the base of users of YouTube, basically the customer list. And you see this everywhere, and this has always been a great way for larger companies to grow even larger by acquisition of customers from another company. And in most cases, it's well worth whatever premium they pay for it. So in this sense, from an outsider's perspective, when they look at your company, they're looking at the, where the revenue is coming from, which is your customers, and then valuing your company based upon that. So if they can get that revenue streamed via your customers, they'll pay a lot for it. It's always easier to buy a bunch of customers than it is to go out and find them individually. From this perspective, I agree. From an outsider's point of view, your most valuable asset is your list of customers. However, I'm not talking about what's valuable to someone else when they're looking at your company. What we're talking about is the most valuable thing to you as the owner in your business. You know, when I look at a company as an owner, whether my own company or someone else, I always look at the downside. You know, it's fun to look at all the growth possibilities for a company and all the potential. But if you don't play devil's advocate and think about what could go wrong, you really can't fairly evaluate any company's worth. You know, for a smaller company, risks that are not mitigated intentionally are generally business killers. For a large company with tons of funding, you know, they can afford billions of dollars in losses temporarily. For most of us, small business entrepreneurs, numbers in the millions or even the hundred thousands or ten thousands and below could kill us. So what does this risk have to do with deciding which is your most valuable asset? Well, look at it this way. You know, let's say you have 10 employees and do a million a year in revenue. Um, you know, you sell high ticket B2B. So maybe you have less than 100 customers and a handful of that 100 uh, make up the line share of your business. If you came into work one day and got a message that your biggest client that accounts for 
25% of your revenue that the CEO of that company found out that you was the owner of, you know, an opposite political view or something and pulls all of his company's business, you know, you're out 250K overnight, you know, quite a hit. So it would still seem customers would be the most valuable and maybe so in the short term and in the financial sense short term. But contrast that with, you know, the same day coming in to find out that your top sales rep or manager has jumped ship to uh, one of your competitors. You know, it's not uncommon for companies to try to poach their competitors' people by enticing them with a better deal or, you know, at least on the surface. You know, if it's an employee that has relationships with their customers, they're likely to bring those customers with them. You know, when I was a stockbroker years ago, uh, this was very common. Brokers would get big upfront paychecks uh, from competitors who wanted them to bring their client list over. You know, this is an example of a client-oriented uh, employee jumping ship. And how much does that hurt your company compared to that big client who took 25% of your revenue? You know, potentially even more. But what if it's, you know, an operations person or an employee who doesn't have, you know, that much direct interaction with clients, so there's no risk of them stealing clients? Uh, you know, you may have NDAs, um, non-compete agreements, you know, in place, uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, in reality, it's extremely hard and expensive to force these. You know, that person uh, takes all the internal knowledge of your company, your intellectual property consisting of things like your processes and systems, and suddenly your competitors realize, oh, hey, that's a good idea. So that's what they're doing internally. You know, How much does that cost you and how much damage is that done? Potentially a lot. What I'm getting at here is that I kind of view assets in terms of the value they have if you lose them. It's kind of backwards, uh, you know, but I think it makes more sense. You know, it's just like sometimes in relationships, you know, how does it go to, you know, don't know what you've got until they're gone or however the song goes. You know, an asset should be viewed not only in what it brings to the table is that's, you know, speculative, but what it's going to cost you if you lose it. You know, another way to look at this, you know, if I had a choice of losing all my customers, our product, our financial assets, and or all of my employees tomorrow, which one would I pick? You know, I would keep my employees personally because I know that if I have the right team in place, we'll collectively figure out all the other stuff. You know, we'll figure out how to find customers quickly. We'll figure out how to get a product or service out the door. We'll find ways to bring in revenue quickly and I'll figure out how to pay them so they can survive. You know, I hope you're following me on this concept. Uh, I know it's different than you probably have heard before. And believe me, this is a, a recent revelation that, you know, I didn't believe this for many years and it showed. So even if you don't buy into what I'm saying, hang in there for a second, because I want to talk to you about how you can keep that valuable asset, you know, your team to stick with you. You know, I've forgotten where I heard this recently, but I think it's accurate that employees don't leave companies, they leave management. From my experience, this is absolutely true with few exceptions. I mean, yes, somebody moves out of state or whatever has a life change. But, you know, even with that, uh, these days they can stay on and work remotely in some cases. Uh, you know, so why is this? Uh, for many years, I, I used to have the mentality that if we pay employees enough, they'll be loyal and stay because that's all they should care about. And that probably came from my personal motivation as a salesperson driven by money, at least when I was new at sales. You know, the truth is that most employees value things like money fairly down on the far on the list. I mean, this is not my opinion either. You can do your own research. In a lot of surveys, you know, employees respond to uh, money doesn't even make the top five, which is you know kind of hard to believe, but it's true. So what do employees actually value? You know, if we as owners know what they value, it's easy to keep them. And again, your most valuable asset, um, keep them from jumping ship and instead of staying with you for years and working their tails off for the company. So according to most surveys of employees, you know, employees value the company's mission, values, and culture above everything else. 
you know, um, as a side note, I, I used to want to barf when I'd hear corporate types or business gurus talk about mission statements, values, culture, and all that kind of thing. Uh, well, I still think a lot of companies, particularly the larger ones, wish to an enormous amount, enormous amount of money on fancy mission statements written in big words that mean nothing to anybody, including their employees. But, you know, however, I've learned in the last few years that this concept does matter. You know, if it's done right, it actually gets everyone moving in the right direction. This kind of a larger overview of why a company exists and so on gets a bad rap because of all the corporate ease that turns most people's brains off. You know, I'll probably do a future episode on this, but company culture does matter. You know, just briefly, when you've thought about what you want your culture to be, have it written down and got employee buy-in, you know, uh, whether you do that or not, you still have unwritten culture as a company. And like I said, I used to poo-poo this kind of thought, but I also didn't have much of a relationship with my team and I lost people more than I would have liked. And I'm happy to say that in the last five years in particular, our company has had a very low turnover and has the majority of our team with tenures well over five years. You know, and this isn't by accident. Uh, it has to do with the change in culture and getting each employee to buy into that. And one reason is because they helped create and formalize that culture. Anyway, back to how you keep employees. Besides the overall culture that each team member has to fit in and buy into, they also have to believe in what your mission is or, you know, in, in English, why you exist as a company and what kind of difference you make in your customers' lives. If your team knows this, believes in it, and feels like they're part of a bigger team and contribution, that engenders more loyalty than you can ever get by pay raises and pool tables in the bullpen area. Although I love the pool table idea just for myself. But anyway, in addition to the bigger picture, each team member also needs to feel heard and have their feelings validated. My wife used to tell me that she needed me to listen and validate her feelings instead of just offering solutions. And it took me a long time to get that as a guy, but it's not just for male-female relationships. It's important for all of us to feel heard and feel valued. You know, I talked a lot about this in the episode involving your team and your business planning and strategy. Um, and I talked about it primarily from the standpoint of you as a leader and how important it is for you to listen to your employees and make them feel valued. And that is very important. However, I was reminded very recently that it's not only important to me as the leader of the business to hear and validate my employees' input and concerns, but it's also equally important that the team members themselves have the same habit and practice of listening to, respecting, and validating their fellow employees. You know, and this again goes back to culture. Even if your employees have bought into a culture of respect, feedback, and validation, it, you know, it's very easy to slip out of that as human beings. And I, I tell you, this um, happened to our own company. And it really comes back to my failure as a leader. So I hope you can learn from my mistake. You know, at the, the time of this podcast, we're about eight months into this whole coronavirus pandemic that has turned life upside down for everyone uh, personally and then business-wise, of course. You know, from the beginning, I felt we were better able to handle the quick transition to remote for our internal staff as I had already set up everyone to work from home in the event that they got a cold. You know, even before this whole thing, uh, we had a policy that if someone showed up coughing and hacking, they were immediately asked to go and work from home. So it was very easy to me to just tell everyone to go home when the stay-at-home order hit Arizona. Now, people have asked me over the months uh, since this thing started, you know, how has my business been affected? And, you know, I would usually happily uh, and almost proudly tell them that, well, we were prepared. And other than that, you know, of course, the drop in revenue, like most people, you know, because of, of it was affecting our clients. And, you know, but internally, it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, you know, it turns out I was dead wrong. You know, at the beginning, I wondered, is this going to psychologically affect my employees since they're weren't in physical contact? You know, I kind of wondered about that. Uh, 
And I kind of checked in with some of them over the first few weeks and they said all was fine. So I, I basically kind of forgot about it. Fast forward seven or eight months and I recently found out that several of uh, my team members' relationships had deteriorated so much that they hadn't even talked to each other for more than two months and had very little interaction via email and instant message. And these are two critical departments that were, you know, pretty much had no communication. Needless to say, I was totally caught off guard. This lack of communication was so damaging that a couple of the long-term team members were even considering leaving the company. You know, I can tell you from my perspective, losing committed and talented employees is a lot more damaging than the financial hit of losing some key clients. You know, I mean, of course, we're going to make it through this situation because of the culture we have and each team member's willingness to try to get back to those values. But it's like a knockdown, drag out fight in a relationship. Bad feelings, you know, they don't go away instantly and it takes time to rebuild trust. So why am I telling you this about our company? Um, you know, for one, if you're not doing everything you can do to mitigate the loss of the physical proximity of both your employees and your clients, I think you better start doing it pretty quickly as it's probably affecting your business more than you realize like it was us. But more importantly, I, I hope you're getting my point about how valuable your team is to your business. I hope this got you thinking about the, the cost of losing your most important assets and really giving you a few ideas of how to mitigate this risk. Thanks for your time and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. Now, I've also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years uh, in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.